Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerdium, the podcast where two grown men look at the world around them and decide it was a lot more fun when we were kids. So instead of focusing on all the adult stuff, you know, because paying bills is only so much fun, we focus on all the fun things that made our lives worth living. Things like comics, TV, movies, video games, and anything our geeky little hearts desired. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie, and sitting to my immediate left is our fearless leader, the international nerd sex symbol, the Commissioner Gordon to my Batman, and I realize I've already used a Batman reference, but I mean, come on, Batman. Anyway, my good friend Matt. For those of you that follow our Twitter account, at Nerdium Podcast, you'll remember that Matt issued another one of his infamous homework assignments. This time around, it was the spooky movie, The Ritual. So before we get started, I figured I should warn you, there's no stopping the spoilers in this one. If you're afraid we're going to let something out of the bag you may or may not be ready to hear yet, take a break, pause the podcast, and go have a look at this movie. So with all of our spoiler warnings out of the way, let's sit down, turn all the lights back on, and join Matt and I while we reflect on the Netflix original, The Ritual. Now, Matt, um, maybe when you're ready, just turn on one or two more lights over there. I think I saw something moving in the shadows, so, you know. All right, let's start this review. So uh, this week's episode is all about the ritual from uh, the guys at Netflix. It's one of Netflix's uh, original horror movies, and a mighty fine one at that too. Like, came out really, really good. Yeah, are you enjoying my uh, homework assignments these days? You're 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 a harsh but fair boss. <laughs> I can't complain too too much. It'd be, I mean, you could be asking me to watch Fuller House or some god awful thing like that. So I'll count my blessings as they pop up. Yeah, I I haven't even watched uh, Fuller House yet, so. Ah, uh, well, that, we'll leave that up to Steve, and we can just exempt ourselves from that one. Yeah, Steve can put that on his podcast, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know. I imagine there's a lot of Twilight and cats. So. Yeah, definitely a lot of cats. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, The Ritual. It's a movie about a group of guys that uh, decided to go into the woods on a little male bonding trip. Well, it wasn't just a little male bonding trip. They went out there, uh, you know, like you do, because... Their friend gets killed in a uh, store robbery, mm-hmm. and it all starts off with these, uh, f- what is it, five, I guess it's five guys at the start sitting around, uh, giving each other a hard time, like all of us men like to do for some particular reason. Yeah. And as they leave the bar, they decide to run into the store for another bottle of beer or a candy bar or whatever they planned on getting there, and that's essentially what kicks off the chaos. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, during that robbery, uh, the number one friend, I guess, the guy that the that is the uh, glue of their little group, gets done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty well done horror movie. Like you have to appreciate the fine art of making a horror movie. Well, I'm glad that they kind of stayed away from a lot of the weird. You know, those there's certain tropes in horror movies. Uh, I, I'm I find the thank goodness it was just a dream trope obnoxious. Yeah, like, like when we start off and we're already on the mountainside, oh, I, the whole store scene was a dream. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of good exposition as to why they would bother going to the mountain. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my notes, I, I basically say, you know, like, best friend dies, let's all get together. Let's go to a restaurant. Let's go to a bar. These guys choose to climb a mountain. Yeah, well, they were talking about going on a, a guy trip somewhere. So they were discussing, uh, I think it was like Visa, um, Vegas, I think, came up. And then uh, 
the buddy that ended up dying says he's uh hills was it norway uh yeah sweden 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 yeah that was one of those uh viking countries yeah nor uh northern sweden northern sweden okay yeah. even though it was filmed in romania but yeah, yeah. movie ah. magic yeah it just seems like uh these days like one in 20 uh horror movies you watch are actually good like you get like the uh, conjurings um pretty much anything done by uh what's the director there Juan, and any of the uh warren file horror movies are pretty good the Warren File ones are pretty good. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Insidious series. Yeah. So what I like about those and what I like about this one is that I like the suspense to build up. Mm-hmm. I'm really not a big fan of the pop scares. Like, I, I enjoy getting scared. I'll, I'll go to watch a movie just uh, to allow myself to get scared and then walk away. You know, uh, I'm not so pedantic as to sit in the theater and say, oh, that wasn't scary. This is all fake and not get out of the experience. What you go to see a spooky movie to get Mm -hmm. Uh, what this movie I found did really, really good from beginning to end was, is just constantly built on that suspense. It did. It didn't really do anything to kind of take you out of the suspense. It was just this kind of constant, creepy, awkward suspense that it kept kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hitchcock did a lot of stuff like that. Like he was famous for saying, you know, you show two people talking in a restaurant and the bomb goes off. Well, there's your surprise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quick. It's done. It's over with. It's, it's my 16 year old love life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but where it really where it really takes off is that if you show everybody a picture of a bomb in a restaurant and then show the people talking, you have that suspense. When's the bomb going to go off? Are these people safe? And it dwells on your mind. And, and the ritual kind of carries through with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know something's out there. You know something's hunting them down. But really, you don't ever really see the monster until really near the end. Like you see glimpses here and there, you see, you yeah. know the monsters there. Like it's it's not like suddenly monster. No, you know, you, clearly these guys are hunted. Clearly, there's little glimpses. There's a great shot of the guys, uh, the remaining few going through, and you see the monster far off in the background, clearly just stalking them. Mm-hmm. A really, really great setup. Really good emotional ride for me. Yeah, and like. For horror movies, it has to kind of walk a fine line where it's uh, not too frightening, where it dissuades the audience, where it like kind of takes you out of the, the movie, but it also can't be too soft. Exactly. Like you have to be able to kind of somewhat invest emotionally and kind of into the, the story where you're not just pulling out because too spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. There are things that get too scary that can get really distracting after a while where you mm-hmm. just want to turn away, turn it off and end watch Disney cartoons for the next two hours to clean your eyes of what you just saw. Yeah. It, it also kind of stays away from a uh, big, bad blood and gore. There's a little bit of it there. Like this, it's not to say it doesn't show up. It just seems to me that when it does show up, it's, it's, it's quick. It's done. It's over with. It plays into the story. It's not excessive. It's not needless. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, it's not like a gratuitous, gore scene like it doesn't celebrate the fact there's gore it's there as an Ex- element yeah exactly it's it's not you know you could watch something like saw and i enjoy the saw movies because i enjoy just the blood and the gore for what it is <laughs> uh, but you don't get that with this movie and I, I think a lot of horror movies start to get a little bit distracted when it comes to oh look at the blood look at the spooky spooky blood 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 blood, blood. and it, it doesn't always work that well yeah and i find like some of the things uh Right at the beginning of the movie, especially, like it's almost like they drop little Easter eggs that 
just something's off. And like you said, it just builds like there's the initial part where they're going into the forest where you see the broken down VW bus Mm -hmm. where they kind of point that out. But it's not really anything that kind of gets a second glance or like a, hmm, why is there a van out here in the middle of nowhere broken down? Well, they do have this kind of funny thing, like all horror movies, especially the, hey, let's walk off the beaten trail, which, you know, point of advice for anybody that's listening, uh, stick to the trail. Yeah. You just always stick to the trail. When when your one friend says, hey, let's take a shortcut, you stick to the trail that your friend get mauled by bears or werewolves or whatever's in the forest. Just stick to the trail. Yeah. Especially if it's through woods because <laughs> although the it doesn't seem that daunting the average person cannot navigate well it's, intense forest you know i I've, I've been like hiking through a lot of forests and canadian forests out where i was hiking were not overly grown this forest you couldn't see past the first line of trees so yeah not not a place you're going to navigate no it's actually very reminiscent of where i go hunting in fall, <laughs> so this year i'm going to probably be bringing a bigger caliber <laughs> But the thing is that all horror movies, especially the the kind of survival horror movies, you always see like the there's always like three bad things that happen. Mm-hmm. The one friend tears his meniscus uh, when he accidentally falls into a giant pothole. That if you look at the shot, the other two guys had to walk through that pothole, right? Like it was a giant drop. Yeah. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> they they could have done that a little bit better. But then it's say, oh hey, let's take a shortcut. We have a friend that's, you know, his knee's blown out, so let's climb through a dense forest. Yeah. Because that's always a good idea, 100% of the time. <clears throat> Easy uh, walking spot through the forest. Yeah, and, and there is there <clears throat> is actually one scene that I want to tie, and this is the one funny scene of the movie, and that's the flask at the memorial scene. Okay. Where they're all standing around, and they have the memorial to the friend that was killed, and oh, aren't we all get a big case of the feels? Mm-hmm. They all have, uh, the one dude takes out a flask and the idea is that everybody's going to take a sip and we're going to pour out the rest of the amount, you know, I'm going to pour one out for the homie. Yeah. (laughs) It was such an inordinately long period of time to empty the flask. Like it, you just, everybody that should have been staring at each other going, I know you didn't take a sip because I have a flask upstairs. I don't think my flask holds that much alcohol. No. And he just stood there staring into space. And it just, that was the one, I'm glad we did the funny part at the very beginning. Yeah. Because if that part had shown up any other time, I would have been really pissed. It would have popped the suspense bubble. It, it, it would have, like, I'm glad, you know, we got the funny, let's, let's rib each other nonsense trope out of the way. We got the funny joke out of the way. And- in a sense, it kind of cleansed the palate from kind of the tragic beginning. So you have exactly. a tragic beginning that sets up the whole story. Yeah. But they don't want you to necessarily be stuck with those maybe emotions right from that. So they kind of cleanse it a little bit. They do bring it back a yeah. lot through the movie, but they 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 do revisit that scene quite a bit. But in in different fashions, though, like that that scene is revisited, but it's always different every single. It, it is a different scene every time. It's the same scene, mm-hmm. but it's a different scene. You know, weirder things happen as as it goes on. And, yeah, like, they don't really explain anything to you until almost the end. Like, you're kind of, you see the creepy abandoned house. Um, There's the a weird, few creepy abandoned houses. There there, is. There's a trail of abandoned houses in that forest. You see the markings, um, but they don't really ever go into detail of what's going on. They just It's, like, from the perspective of the guys where... You're, well, like, there, and they're, like, yeah. wondering. The only thing you ever know 
uh, you know the one, the main character, the guy that, that witnessed the murder and, and hid. You, you know he's suffering some weird effect because he's always reliving that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's always a little different where the one, the, the one guy that kills his friend stares at him and calls him a coward or... Mm-hmm. Uh, his one friend stares up and looks at him like it's all. It always changes a little bit, but then a- after the first night in the first abandoned house, uh, one guy is naked praying in front of the idol that they found. Another guy has pissed himself gratuitously. The other guy is screaming for his wife. Like clearly, there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah, I would have. The movie would have been longer, and it would have made much sense to show what these guys saw to make them do what they were doing, but. I mean, I'm kind of interested as to as to what they were seeing, especially the dude that was naked upstairs praying in front of the idol. I really want to see that transition. I want to know how we get from sleeping downstairs to naked praying. Yeah, but the fact that they didn't go into it, once again, adds to the suspense. Yeah, yeah I and know, for sure. When they go into the main guy's uh, little uh, hallucination there, and that's when he gets whatever stabbed by the the monster and the monster's ripping through the woods after like yeah that that had some chill factor that, yeah that was weird like i i didn't know what to make of that except for he's he's watching the first time the i guess it's not the first time he's remembering the the convenience store the first time being the little exposition we get at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. but it would be the second time when they first get into that house like i didn't know what was going on I couldn't even figure out what would make those marks until I guess later on when you actually see the monster. I guess the monster just gives him the five finger poke of death right over the chest. Yeah, because you weren't sure if he was bitten at first, and then you're kind of looking at it. And you're like, they're deep, man. I'm surprised they did not bleed a lot more. Yeah. Also going into it, I was thinking it was going to be more of like a kind of a better production Blair Witch project. So when I saw that thing ripping through the trees, I'm like, oh, that's a big ass witch. I didn't when when I saw that you brought this up. As, as the next little homework assignment, uh, unlike Bright, where I'd already seen some reviews and listened to some people have temper tantrums and yeah. read the Rotten Tomato score versus the audience score, which is always, you know, interesting to look at. I just didn't bother looking at any of the reviews. I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go into this blind. Uh, I'm not going to read the plot. I'm just going to just gonna do a dry run, just run right into it. Mm-hmm. And it was not knowing anything, I think, really kind of helps propel what was going on because I... In the back of my mind, I kind of saw it as like, you know, your typical culty, wicker man sort of weird movie. Yeah. I was down with that. Sure, why not? I was surprised that it was a monster movie, but it plays off well. It does. You know, it, it doesn't take anything away from the experience having a giant monster in there. No. And they don't fall into that uh, trap that some monster movies do is by showing the monster so much that it's no longer a horror movie. It's an action movie with a big monster. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. The, the monster is always, you always see little glimpses. You can kind of see maybe a hand or a horn, and you never really, you, you know it's big. You can mm-hmm. understand the size of it from certain glimpses that you see, but you never really know what you're looking at Yeah. until the very, very end. Yeah, like the beginning there. Because I only saw maybe one preview, and it looked like a Blair Witch movie to me. And then... You see different scenes, and you see him like ripping through the trees, and then you see the scene where he goes up to the uh, ridge, and he sees the hand kind of touching the tree. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that's a hand that's really high up in that tree. Like, what's <laughs> yeah. going on? And then you see that there's something massive beside it. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's not a witch. What's going I on? I had to rewind that scene about three or four times 
trying to get a good glimpse of the monster, just just to, to understand the scope of what I was looking at. Yeah. Because it took me forever. I'm like, did they actually show the hand the first time? So I'd rewind it a couple of seconds. And I, okay, the hand was there. Then you play it in slow mode just so I could <laughs> see his whole body. And I'm like, what the hell? Because I didn't want to just fast forward and, or look it up. I'm like, I, I really need to see what this thing is. But I didn't want to ruin the surprise either. Yeah. And, and I think that's another thing. that with, with the suspense is that you really do get a good payoff when you finally get to see the monster. Yeah. And they did a good job, too. Uh, the... The creature design there. It's a pretty unique one. And I, it's creepy. Yeah, I, I dig I dig the Norse uh Scandinavian mythology of it all. Like uh, mm. I think it, she pronounces it Utan, which by the way is not how you think it's spelled. <laughs> it's all kind of weirdness. Uh but uh she she of course brings up the and then this is the crazy cultists that they finally find. Yeah. Because every good horror movie has good cultists. Yeah, uh, and she explains to the guy that it's the Uten and it's the offspring of Loki, and you know we're gonna pray to this, and so are you because you've been marked, and and all this sort of good stuff. But one of the things this monster has a nasty habit of doing is is decorating the forest with people's bodies, and not just people either. You know, uh, when we talk about those funny little tropes where we're just moving on and ig- ignoring the 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 blown knee, ignoring the 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 VW. We walk by a gored out deer that's clearly like 10 feet in the air. Like no one climbs a tree with a deer on their back, disembowels it and walks away. Yeah. Uh, and and this is the monster's big kick is that he likes to decorate the forest with people's bodies. Yeah. Which um, I which I thought was just like one gross, but really cool too. Like it was really. It was different. Yeah. You know, like you do start the movie where you see like the carvings in the trees and the the weird little Blair Witch bobbles all over the place. Like you, you get, you do get that Blair Witch vibe. I can see why the previews would lead you that way. But then through the movie, you definitely go make a hard right from Blair Witch Town. Yeah. And like, I was reading some of the reviews online and some of like the fun facts and trivia. And somebody was like, Oh, that's a modern day, uh, Wicca script that's on the trees. And I was like, no, it's Nordic rune symbols. <laughs> They're very similar. Like the Wicca script is, Kind of pulls from the uh, yeah, well, they, they pull from all kinds of pagan stuff. Yeah, well, I mean it's, but they, that person was actually shooting down somebody's point about it being uh, like Norse base, and you're kind of like that says that in the movie. Yeah. So, well, it's it, it's it's all based off Norse and Scandinavian uh, mythology. Like that's mm-hmm. which also kind of plays pretty cool because in a lot of horror movies, like we usually center around. The Catholic Christian Satan's after you sort of of, of uh, vibe there, like it's always the evil spirits. We're always throwing crosses at it, like you know it's fine. You yeah, know, do what you got to do. But it, it was a really cool uh, look at something else. Yeah, like I feel like I've seen enough uh, kind of Catholic based demon movies that I think in a demon scenario I could probably hold myself now. <laughs> you like, can hold your own. I think I, I think I know like the whole. Uh, Rights to an exorcism and all that, but uh, no, I think when you get something that's kind of from a different culture or different background, uh, it's spooky because you don't know much mm-hmm. about it. Um, take, for example, The Ring or The Grudge. Yeah. When I first saw those movies that had the Japanese uh, backgrounds, um, those movies were pretty terrifying. I had no idea what to expect. Well, it's, it's, it's also different visually, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We all have in our in our mind the idea of what a demon should look like based off of 
whatever writings you've seen. Like we're 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 in a Western culture, so your typical horns, sharp teeth, discolored eyes, reverse Latin, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. When the ring and the grudge and all that came out, the whole Japanese horror thing was really kicking off. So it was just new imagery to really assault your senses. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people have tried to play off of that since then. And uh, the ritual is, is the same thing. Like, you don't think of this giant centaur slash demon slash, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it, it really is, it's got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, very, a lot of moving creature. parts on that creature. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you, you don't know the rules. No, you don't. deal with it. So you're pretty helpless. Yeah, exactly. Like how, how many times have we just like like we said before, you know, you you could hold your own quote in scripture to a demon, <laughs> or you, you know, like we we there was a lot of the, the the Japanese or at least the American version of the Japanese horror movies. Mm-hmm. So you started to see a lot of that, and in this one, it's just like, what do you do to a creature that's pretty much a god? Yeah, he takes his best shot at it. He doesn't seem to do much. Not a damn thing. Yeah. Not a damn thing. There there really was nothing that he was going to do. Like. Granted, he was firing an age-old rifle that just kind of soaked up into the monster's side and fluffed that off pretty darn quickly. Yeah. Back to the uh, hanging the bodies from the trees. I read somewhere that that goes back to the Norse mythology with uh, Odin. So I think something like Odin used to hang himself from trees, and that's where he got his knowledge was when he was hanging from a tree. So he got his knowledge from the raven or the crows that he used to send out and report back to him. Yeah, there's that too, but there's something about the uh, hanging from trees and that. And I, I'm not, I'm not a Norse mythology. No, I always stuff. stuck with Greek because I knew all the stories off by heart, so it was yeah. easier for me. But no, it, it it makes sense if they were reporting back to you. You know, if the idea was that their their spirit would report back to Odin, that would make sense. Yeah, similar to the uh, Catholic demon horror movies, uh, by doing this certain type of act, like. Uh, how they turn the crosses upside down or anything like that. It's uh, kind of an aberration mm-hmm. to the religion. So by him doing that, maybe he's kind of... Fouling nature, you yeah. think? Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. His middle finger because he's the bastard son, son of Loki. Mm-hmm. Loki, and traditionally, is not a very well-liked uh, god. In you mean outside world. of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, fangirl fiction on that but anyways <laughs> yeah the whole thing that the monster is actually the offspring of a god opens up an interesting backstory mm-hmm. also to kind of get into the design of the creature like it's kind of interesting that it is like a centaur but the head is kind of like the torso the head isn't like the middle of the torso right like yeah did you see the same thing i did because the the idol looks like the arms come up into horn like antlers. Yeah. And it looks like the head is missing completely. Yeah. And the torso on the, 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 the human, to- quote, human quote unquote part of the torso of the centaur, it's missing that nub where the head should be. And it looks like the head or like this void where there are two blinking eyes mm-hmm. or somewhere in the middle of the chest. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really, really weird to describe because one, it's it's pretty dark when you finally get to see it. Uh-huh. And two, even the antlers look like they kind of folded up at one point in time when he reared back in front of Luke. And it was like like you said, it was a busy monster. He had a lot of stuff going on on that body. Yeah, and I think one of the creepiest scenes where they actually really showed the monster was when uh, 
he's in the the main house there and it's on fire and he's about to go through the door and the monster you don't necessarily see the monster you see well you see the legs of the monster yeah and then you see the the, kind of hand the was, human portion of the monster kind of creeping in through the top of the door. That's right, yeah, pulling himself oh. down to have a peek. Yeah. The, the one thing I didn't get that I really kind of wished, and, and I have my own theory on this, when he finally escapes after his buddy, his, his the last buddy bites the big one with the monster, he breaks out of his shackles in the basement of the cultist's home. Mm-hmm. He goes upstairs where it's the, there's this nonstop groaning, weird groaning. Mm-hmm. He opens the door and there's all these dried husks. Like, think of your typical mummified, been dead for a while husks. Yep. And they're all groaning. And he takes his torch and he starts lighting them on fire. I want to know why the hell they're still alive. My theory is that because this monster grants eternal life or a prolonged life, Mm -hmm. that your body ages at a significantly reduced rate, but you're still alive even as your body is rotting away. Yeah. So that is my theory. That's the theory I walked away with too on that. Okay. So I think well, that's the, the point they were trying to get across if we both have the same theory. Yeah, okay, okay, good. Then, then I'm glad I didn't misread that. And the, the, the other funny scene, I guess it's kind of funny, uh, and this is right in the middle when he comes downstairs and the old hag is sitting there staring at her. Huh. And he just decks her, like just full on, just Mike Tyson's her right in the face. It was like, oh, okay, off we go. Yeah. Like it, it gave me a chuckle, and then because of the chaos that was going on, brought me right back in. Like it wasn't, it didn't really. It was done in a way that it didn't take away from the situation too too much, but it did kind of give me a chuckle out of surprise. Yeah, I think at that point they were done building the suspense, and now they were just kind of filling the story. We were just yeah, we were and, we were going through the big payoff. Yeah, so yeah, it wouldn't a little kind of comedic relief wouldn't uh, affect the. Uh, the kind of emotion and the element of the story at that point. So no, because I, yeah, I think by that time the monster was there. We saw the monster. Mm-hmm. The fire was starting. The monster was getting pissed. So it was, you know, it, it was a good time to to give you something to look at because we were in that. It's always that like last half hour of a horror movie where everything's finally, you know, all, all the setup is, is paid off and everything's all firing off all yeah. at once. They're wrapping it up. So mm-hmm. and. uh yeah, no, they did really well. And then you kind of see that uh, the memory of uh, his friend's death there kind of almost led him to uh, surviving the monster at the end with his friend looking at the axe. Yeah. And then he gets, well, grabs the axe. And yeah, well, because, I mean, at, at the beginning, he had that bottle of vodka in his hand in the store. Yeah. He knew all he had to do was run around, just just crack one of the one of the robbers over the head. Yeah. Probably would have been enough to save his friend. And even when he's having one of his weird visions, the the the, the aggressor looks up at him, calls him a coward. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of expand on this through the story where even as one of the friends kind of points out, like, you could have stopped everything. This We're all here because of you. You know, get fucked, all this sort of nonsense. <laughs> and then <clears throat> when he's trying to figure out why he's chosen, one of the cultists says, well, it's because, you, you know, you're weak, you have great pain. And I think that that was kind of that moment where he realized... He's only here because he's weak. And all these people around him are weak. Yeah. So unless he wants to spend the rest of his time there, and the monster even gives him a second chance to bow before him. Like, after he's, after he's dicked around with the monster and fought and carried on, the monster still just makes him kneel. The yeah. monster, I don't think at that point in time, was going to kill him. He was going to let him go. Yeah. 
It's definitely the feeling I got from that too. So you know, and, and kudos to him for for doing the fight and doing the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the 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 final end there, the final scene? It kind of didn't necessarily tie. Like he escaped, so he's alive, but it didn't necessarily tie up anything. So with this movie, I found that it opens up a lot of uh, real world repercussions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we already saw that the monsters got some sort of kind of psychic ability. Yep. Um, yep. Is it proximity powered or could he go back to England and then still have nightmares? Well, I, I'm pretty sure he is going to be haunted with nightmares until the day he dies. That's a valid point. Yeah. That's a valid point. <laughs> and I, I no longer think that the whole convenience store nightmare is ever going to be an issue for him. I think he is cured of that nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be his dream. Yeah. He wishes to go back to that nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that when they were on the mountain, uh, again, outside of our little exposition dream, and I always hate it when it's, oh, hey, oh, it was just a dream. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 in this case, okay, fine, quick exposition. Um, when they were on the mountainside, no problem. Mm-hmm. When they were on the hill, on the trail, no problem. Uh, even the accident of Buddy falling into the hole was just due to clumsiness. It had nothing to do. The the one friend, he wasn't drawn to go into the forest. He just said, well, Buddy's been hurt, so let's stay off the beaten path and go crawling through the forest like a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think outside of the forest there's any issue. Okay, yeah. You know, um, even when they get into the forest, like as they're going in, yeah, that little minivan was there, but you have to assume the people that occupied that minivan went into the forest. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the tent that they found from the 1980s with the family picture and the credit card and, you know, the worn down tent. Yeah. You know, maybe it was their van. Probably. Pretty old van for the 80s, but I remember seeing those vans in the 80s. You still see a few, few of those vans these days, but yeah, no, it's, it'd be like maybe 10, 15 years. Yeah. That van. So... The idea that somebody left a car and then it just went overgrown, fine. You know, it, it, things weren't weird until they got into the forest. Yeah. There was noise, birds chirping, nature sounds outside of the forest. The second they got into the forest, there was nothing but the trees creaking and that was it. And even then, there was death, death of silence. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty sure that whatever the monsters got going on is is central to the forest. And that's why the monster couldn't go past the forest. It's, it's the, it's the Ichabod crane effect, right? Yeah. The headless horseman couldn't get over the bridge. All Ichabod crane had to do was get over the bridge. What if the monster could do uh, little minor influences here and there? And that's how he draws. I think they would have mentioned, I think they would have mentioned that in the movie. Yeah, possible. Because the, again, these guys weren't drawn in to go there. They were just like, Oh, let's get there quicker. I know a shortcut. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was the infamous, well, yeah, the map says keep going straight, but if I turn right and go down this alley, it'll be quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of one of those setups. So I don't think that the monster's uh, influence is going to expand. Now, when he has to explain to people where his buddies are, <laughs> because they're all registered at the lodge, uh, friends and family knew that they were going with him, and suddenly he shows up beaten to piss, and... Like, what are you going to do? Say, well, I, well, your husband's hanging from a tree intact. Your husband's been disemboweled, but he's still hanging from a tree. Like, the real world consequences outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, if the movie had ended with him in an insane asylum, 
I would have gotten that. Yeah. <laughs> I totally would have understood that. You know, but I mean, and a lot of horror movies have ended that way with the crazy, per- with, with the person that survives being locked up for either the murder of somebody or put away in a mental institution because they're screaming about a centaur creature in the forest kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder if there's going to be maybe a follow-up to it where either he goes back or somebody goes back for the bodies. Um, I could see a vengeance sequel. Yeah. I, I don't know how they would re- uh, how they would write it. I don't know how they could write it. If it wasn't him going back and say it was a family member that didn't really understand what happened in the forest, so it was kind of new to them, it was going to be a surprise to them. Or if that monster is not the only monster in the forest because it's a magical forest with gods running around. But they could do another ritual with either another Norse creature. Mm-hmm. They could do like you said, a forest full of of nightmarish monsters like they, they they could play it off i don't think they're going to no i i i think they tried to tie it up in a nice as neat a little bow as they could yeah uh, it really was in my opinion a one-off it was they didn't really leave things open to interpretation no and it's kind of one of those stories that uh, it'd be really hard to kind of recapture what was caught in the first one where you had no idea what was going to happen yeah. and it built now if they had a sequel you kind of you're going in knowing something the best thing they could do for a sequel would be almost what the insidious films did and that start going back for more prequel stories okay like maybe you talk about the family in the 80s sure there's the family in the 80s i mean how many through that movie uh especially near the end around their little their little cult camp multiple bodies hanging from the from the trees. Mm-hmm. So these are clearly not the same people. And I don't think the monster would bring somebody all the way just to hang them up on a tree. Yeah. But I, I think you could play off on the cultists yeah, the cult- because the cultists offer the people as a sacrifice. Um, yeah. Like the uh, one female cultist there uh, that seemed like she was the most cooperative with them. Maybe she's got a good backstory, but ultimately one of the biggest real world repercussions I felt was, you just told this guy that Norse gods exist. What's that going to do for him? <laughs> even, even with that point, like, you know, anybody walks away from these survival movies and say, oh, no, there's totally a house full of cannibals, demons, wraiths, whatever you got going on. It's always going to be, it's, it, it's, it can only go so many different ways. Yeah. You know, even, even uh, was it the Halloween movies where somebody got pinned for the murders? No, it was so and so. I I can't remember what the, there. There's a couple of horror movies where somebody gets pinned for all, doing all the murders. Yeah, I mean even Sarah Connor gets locked up for the Terminator nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there there's all that going on. But I would have because I am greedy. I would have liked to have <laughs> seen more of the monster. But I don't think the movie would have worked as well if we saw more of the monster. Yeah. Do you think he's going to have? Uh... His PTSD flare up when he goes to see the uh, Infinity War. (laughs) I think the mere mention of Loki ought to be enough to send him into a cold, cold sweat. (laughs) Well, I don't really have anything left to say with the ritual. No, oddly enough, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I mean, horror movies can be campy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, if if you're going to watch this movie and you're going to take the approach of I'm a big, tough dude. Uh, I don't get scared. Well, you're not really going to enjoy it too, too much. This is the kind of movie, these kinds of movies in general, 
are movies that you got to let yourself get into it. You got to let it go and, and, and let yourself feel that suspense. Like, I was surprised, man. I, I would recommend this movie in in a heartbeat. It's it's a great contrast to to our recommendation of Bright. Yeah, that's for sure. It is. It's definitely not a. You know, you can watch it alone if you wanted, but I mean, I would recommend watching it with somebody that gets a little uneasy when you're watching spooky movies, if only to have fun with them. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a movie best shared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So I won't be going into the woods anytime soon. So uh, no need. It's still winter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. As uh, always, if you uh, like what you heard, feel free to give us a review, subscribe. If you uh, have anything you want us to cover, just send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us at nerdiumpodcast.gmail.com. And remember, if you disagree, you can argue with Matt. Argue with <laughs> Matt all day long. <laughs> all right. Till next time. Have fun, everybody.